Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing good and hope the week is treating you well. So this week's episode is a really good one. I think I say that every week, but this really is a good one. Um, It's kind of a special one to me. The guest on today's episode is a guy called Chip E. And Chip E was pretty much the reason why house music started. So this is a big deal for me. I'm kind of a fanboy in this as well. Um, I met Chip a couple of years ago at a Dirty Bird barbecue in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, And he also came to one of my shows in Chicago um, recently in March at the Funky Brunch. Uh, I've wanted to pick Chip's brains about the whole scene and how it started and just everything about what he has kind of created in that that I call my job. Um, and a lot of people call their jobs and a lot of people call their loves and their passions. So without further ado, Chippy. Chippy, how's it going, man? All right, Will. How you doing, man? I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming, right? I know, right? When I saw you in Chicago when I did the funky brunch thing last. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. February, I think that was, or March. Yeah, right before the world ended. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Are you, are you sitting in Chicago? I am. I am. Yeah. I think the weekend, I think it was... No, I think it was that same weekend. That was when, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was beginning of March. That was when I just, I did, I think my last big gig, which was uh, me and Carl Cox. Uh, we did an event at Radius uh, in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, you did it the night before. That's what the it night was, before, yeah. Um, yeah. On the Saturday, and I was playing the Sunday. And then the week after was St. Patrick's Day, St. Paddy's Day. Yeah. And that's when... Chicago got locked down because like the weekend after I was playing in Phoenix and Phoenix wasn't locked down. So yeah. I, I got my last show in and then had to escape. It was like a refugee at the airport coming coming back to England. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just in London in February and I mean, yeah, I feel I I feel like oh, I mean so landlocked. I mean, I'm yeah. not used to being in one place this long. I mean, not since I think I was eighteen years old, you know. It's just crazy. I was gonna say, man, you've you've been doing this. I think you're the person that I know that's been doing it the longest. That like I have like a that I've spoke to in person and kind of have. I know we've only hung out briefly um, and spoken briefly, but I think you're the person that's been in this game for the longest. Um, yeah, your was your first record nineteen eighty six, eighty five, eighty five, and that was t- was that time yeah. to Jack. It was. It was the whole Jack tracks EP time yeah. to Jack. It's house. Yeah, dude. Like, so I'm gonna like a lot of people don't a a lot of people that listen to this and that are kind of fans of me might not even know the records that you bought out initially back in the day. Yeah. But obviously a lot of the big DJs, well, I'd like to hope all the house DJs know who you are and things like that. But you're pretty much one of the people that started the whole house scene. 
I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> it's it fucking is. wild, I mean, man. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, there literally was no, <clears throat> there was no house music before uh, the Jack Tracks EP. Period. Yeah, there wasn't. It's, I mean, you know, Dis- Discogs tells the truth. Yeah, it's it's wild, um, and it's amazing to have you on the show because obviously this it's i don't know i kind of feel a little bit speechless about it because it's, oh man come on no you know you know how it is it's like there's some like i love doing what i do so much yeah and obviously you do as well um yeah. and the amount how the amount how the amount of work we all put into this scene to keep the scene going and keep our lives going and keep people happy by playing shows and making records. And the fact that you were one of the main reasons why this scene started, like we all owe our fucking careers to you, man. It's insane. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No, man, it's, I think it's because it's i think we all forget about it i i can only speak for myself right we live in a day and age where we want everything now we want everything we in fact we wanted everything yesterday we don't want everything now we wanted everything yesterday we we want hit records we want lots of followers on instagram we want people to we want to sell out shows etc etc we don't want to do the the shows that no one turns up to. Uh, right. we, we see, we, we want to write a hit, the first record that we write. Yeah. Um, what was it like back in the 80s starting something that had no one before that you didn't have a fucking clue what you were doing? But also having, like, because it was a very different time. The 80s in Chicago was different to how it is now. Like, what was it like just being then? Yeah, so so disco had just been officially killed, pretty much. <laughs> so, but we still we wanted we we so we were playing a lot of old stuff, and it was getting old. You know, you go to every party, and you were hearing the same records because there was no new disco being made. Yeah. Um, then we started looking to the Italo disco, which uh, was definitely definitely had an impact, and you know that stuff. We just you know this is. This is what I call the Middle Ages, um, you know, which is after after the dinosaurs, but before the internet. You know, <laughs> that's the Middle Ages. Yeah. So, so during that time, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't easy to do. You know, I mean, it was impossible to do anything like this. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't easy to get uh, access to things in Europe. You had to wait for somebody. You know, you had to wait for a container to arrive and hope it had some good music on it, and you're waiting forever. And so that was that was a big thing for us. So we were like, well, you know, if they can do it, you know, electronic music in Italy and Spain and you know whatnot, you know, I went out and I got a I got a drum machine, I got a keyboard, I got a little sampling pedal. I didn't even have a sampling keyboard back then. <laughs> it was a Boss uh, pedal, which yeah. was it had it had um, I think it 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 had uh, some compression on it maybe, and it had about seven tenths of a second for sampling and that was all i needed to do it's house it's house it's house yeah that's that's less than a second yeah um but yeah it was it was a it was kind of a shot in the dark i mean i when i say that i had i was fortunate that i was friends with some of back then the top djs like ron hardy frankie knuckles who were disco djs you know they became house djs after my stuff was out but the truth is they played disco, but I was fortunate in having a relationship with them where I could just take some drum beats and throw it on a reel to reel and say, Hey, can you see how this works? Yeah. And, you know, so I had a really good uh, sounding board, you know, with them and, and their crowds. So even though it was a shot in the dark, you know, it was, it was, it was a learning experience. I learned, you know, what they liked. And I, I just, I really wanted to craft a sound, you know, create, the blueprint, if you would, yeah. um, that's, that's, I guess that's why people call me the architect of house and techno. Yeah. But I, so I, I created the blueprint for, um, what we know dance music is today. 
damn dude this it's wild <laughs> i still it's still it's still it's like i still struggle to kind of comprehend it all really um so chicago back then um ron hardy frankie knuckles playing in the clubs there what was it like in the clubs back in in those days very sparse yeah. so um chicago i mean let's let's look at the elephant in the room i mean you know all the social unrest uh if you think it's bad now chicago in the 70s and 80s was really bad yeah. the, the, so the like the major disco clubs you know which a lot of it was you know um people of color doing the music, you know, yeah. a lot of eth- eth- ethnicities doing the music, but the big clubs, uh, like on Rush Street, Rush Street was the, was uh, kind of our, our Gold Coast area. That's where a lot of the big clubs were. Um, I wouldn't have been allowed in those big clubs. Yeah. And, and if I, I would have to meet a certain dress code, I would have to have three pieces of ID, you know, all, all those things, and then still have to have the secret handshake and know somebody. So, the underground clubs that Frankie and Ron Hardy played in, they were to uh, kind of fight against that to give to give everybody. They were inclusive instead of exclusive. Yeah. So it gave everybody an opportunity to experience. But like I said, they were sparse. They didn't have you know they didn't have the huge mirror balls you know that that you see in you know uh, yeah. Studio Fifty Four and such. But they did have you know uh, Mars lights, you know the police lights and yeah. strobes and. So it's very sparse, but it was, but what, what it did was it created a different atmosphere. So you didn't have to go and get dressed up, you know, and, and, you know, have your, you know, John Travolta Saturday night fever, big collar (laughs) from shoulder to shoulder, you know, you, you came as you are. And not only did you come as you are, but you came to sweat, you came to party. Uh, You, you, you knew that by the end of the night, your clothes were going to be drenched. So you weren't wearing, you know, your Armani and your Versace. Yeah. You were wearing, you know, your, your gym clothes or whatnot, you know? So it, it kind of, I, I'd say also it started uh, changing the, some of the fashion trends to being instead of, you know, more suits to more casual wear, you yeah. know, where, you know, t-shirts and things were. So the whole, the whole house culture really has changed the world. And I, I think, I hope it continues. So I'm I'm so glad that you know we've got great artists, producers, DJs like yourself who are who are continuing in this, because you know that's what it takes. You know, I took I took a hiatus. You know, we can we can go into that later if you want. But uh, I'm really glad that uh, you guys picked it up and you know keep it going. Well, I think this is the thing. I had Gene Gene on the on the podcast, and we discussed a lot about like how. Europe kind of took over the house and techno scene from America um, and kind of it, we kind of adopted it as our child and kind of yeah. and kind of grew it into something an even bigger culture from where it was in in America where it was the underground and and we created it to the overground to the point where we still have well our 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 dance our club our club charts are still sometimes in the top 10. Oh, we've just lost. What's that? I'm sorry. I just lost you for some reason. We're back. No, (laughs) I think my screen went weird. (laughs) Um, okay. For, uh, we, we, um, like even in our, in our charts, we have like, in the top 10, we might have like eight house records and don't get me wrong. Yeah. They're more commercially viable house record, but they're still four, four and they're still house. Um, yeah. And I think that's amazing. Whereas in America, it's a lot more hip hop and R and B based and it, obviously rock and roll and things like that. You, it's very, unless it's a Calvin Harris record or something like that, it's right. very rarely going to be in the charts. Um, but it's it's a weird thing. It's, it's kind of like um, you know you, you know your mum made cookies, and you know you know you, you were used to those. And but when your friends came over, they're like, "Oh, mate, your mum's cookies are amazing." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. These yeah. should be in, <laughs> in the in the shops. Yeah, and, and that's that. And you're like, 
you know, they're, they're just cookies. You yeah. know, she, she makes them and we eat them. It's not yeah. a big deal. And that's the kind of way, the way music is, unfortunately, with, with our country. It's kind of like, like when the Beatles, you know, they had to, the Beatles had to literally come to Chicago yeah. to make it. Yeah. You know, you guys are like, okay, so it's another rock band. Yeah. And it was the same thing with House. You know, here, it's, you know, in Chicago, in the U.S., they're like, you know, oh, House music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that stuff those, those guys listen to. But when you guys got it, you're like, oh, that's amazing. You know, this would be at all the shops. Yeah. And, and so it's 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 just kind of that natural thing that uh, things that uh, we have at home, we don't appreciate as much, but they're appreciated more once they get out in the world. I've never thought of it that way. And you're so right. And I think it isn't about necessarily culturally anything. It's just it's it's like when you're at school and you see the the girls or the boys from the other school and you're like, damn, where all these hot girls come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, right, right, that the whole, the whole airport syndrome, when you get to the airport, yeah. that's where you see the hottest women, right? Like, where are they, where do they come from? <laughs> no, totally, man, totally. So let's, let's go back a little bit, back into the 80s. Um, yeah. When did you, you wrote records with Frankie Knuckles? Um, how did that, so, how did that come across? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, so like I said, 85, I did Jack tracks and, um, Frankie was, uh, a friend way before that. I think, I think we became friends about 1983, 84. Yeah. Um, and I, I did some little, little remix things for him, you know, uh, you know um, record di- disco records, just giving a little update, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I've been, you know, doing a, a few tunes and I just felt like it was time to bring him in. Uh, I, I, I t- you know, I ended up, uh, loaning him, uh, one of my keyboards and, you know, showed him a few things around there and yeah. And he already had a drum machine. And so I told him like, Frankie, you need to do a record. He's like, oh, Chip, you know, I'm just a DJ. I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you're doing a performance at the club, you know? Cause back then, and not to disparage anything, but back back in the early days, Frankie was a music selector. Yeah. But he really wasn't what we would consider a DJ today. It, it was kind of like more. I mean, he would try to blend, but he really he didn't beat match. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. Uh, before I'd say about 1989, Frankie wasn't beat matching. Yeah. He was just he was just playing a record. He tried to get the tempo close, and he uses uh, three way EQ to drop out all the bass so you didn't hear uh the beats fighting each other yeah the train coming down the down yes the- <laughs> yes the train wreck yeah. so but i knew but i knew he had he had a flavor and so myself and joe smooth we just drug him in the studio basically we you know we and we said let's do a record and that was that was the beginning of his career as a, a producer and artist damn so you didn't only just create house music, you also helped Frankie Knuckles get to the point of what Frankie Knuckles got to. How how does it feel to be that type of person? It, like, because I'll be honest, like, is there ever a point where you're like, why, why, like, why... Why did everyone look? At, why did everyone look at Frankie Knuckles and not me? Why did every? Does that make sense? And I don't, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that oh, you yeah. weren't as. As I don't want to say you're not as popular as Frankie Knuckles, but Frankie Knuckles is one of the biggest artists in house music ever. Yeah, um, yeah no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as popular. Like I said, a lot of people, you know, are tuning in and they're going, "Wow, I never heard of this chippy yeah, guy. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. about this." No, no, no. He. I mean, uh, he. A lot of people, uh, you know, have have, uh, have gained more fame and more money than I have. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's my, that's my fault, but I don't fault myself for it. Yeah. Uh, so again, here, let's, 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 let me just tell you what happened uh, around the, the mid eighties. Uh, I was very young. I started, I started doing this when I was 18. Yeah. Um, by the time I was 21, I was starting to become a person I didn't like. Yeah. I wasn't mature enough to handle the fame, the money, the women and all that. That's yeah. just the honest truth. I wasn't in it, but I was mature enough to realize that. And so about 1987, 88, 
I completely disappeared. I completely oh, divested really? myself of the entertainment industry. Like I said, I had, I had just, I had way too many girlfriends. Way too many. And <laughs> That's a headache, man. That's a fucking it headache. <laughs> it is. And I, I was, I, I got to a point where I wasn't able to juggle them. Cause that's what it is, man. All right, look, I've never said this on camera before, but I mean, I, I had a situation where, I mean, in my condo, I had to go in the bathroom and take a Polaroid picture of what the bathroom looked like and then take all of that girl stuff, put it in a box, put the Polaroid picture on it, <laughs> drop it, and then go out and get the other girl stuff to put it out. That's how bad yeah. it was. It was ridiculous. And like I got to a point where, and oh, and if you if you found a, if you found an earring on the floor, you just throw that shit away. You, you don't ask anybody, is this yours? You just you know, earring, fuck, done with it. So I could have stayed in. I could yeah. I could have you know I could have had the big mansions and you know uh, uh, you know gigging every weekend around the world, but I, I don't think I would. Uh, the way I was going, I don't think that I would have survived. And if I survived, I don't think that I would have been a great person. Yeah. Um, so when I, as I, like I said, in retrospect, uh, I'm glad that I, I was there at the beginning and I'm glad I'm back now. And that's the yeah, thing. Man. I'm mature enough now to handle it. Uh, I'm definitely ready for it. And, you know, I've, I've been able to, maintain my creativity i just i just did a remix on um on a, uh one of frankie knuckles last records that was unreleased so it, it just came out sub, uh september 11th it's called uh carefree yeah i'm I was a checking star it out this, today it was, it's a nice record i really like it thanks kind of laid back it's not really where i'm at uh but i like i mean i was glad that i could be a part of it but it's a lot more laid back uh i've got a new label uh, it's called You So Nasty Records, and we we, uh, we just released a tune called Deep Underground. Um, Carl featured that in his last uh, BBC Essentials. I got to get that to you. I yeah, send it, man. I got a bunch of stuff to you. Yeah. Uh, I, October 2nd, I've got a couple of releases. I've got one with James Curd. Uh, it's called uh, Are We Really Going to Do This? And then I've got my first release on Nervous Records. Uh, it's Don't. called The Morning. Don't, man. So, so I'm, I'm keeping busy, but like I said... Yeah, so sometimes I think you know, man, it would be nice to have you know that you know that four million dollar mansion, but you know, um, there are guys who had. Well, let me tell you this: the newspaper um, writes a list every day of people who wish they just had one more day. They make yeah. a list every day of people who would give their whole fortunes just to have one more day on this planet. So, yeah. you know, all the money and all the fame, um, it doesn't beat having your health. Uh, and the health is both uh, physical and mental. Got to have your mental health, yeah. got to have your physical health, got to have your emotional health. So I'm in a good place. Um, you know, but so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry that I, I missed out on a lot of that. And, but in a way, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to have opportunities like this. Like we're going to be collabing. Yeah. We're going to be doing some big stuff. I can't wait because this is the anniversary of its house. Yeah. And you're going to be doing your mad ass its house mix. And I do can't it. wait to see what you do with that. All you over better that. fuck it up, Will. You better fuck it up. <laughs> All over that, man. Yeah. I think I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's really nice to kind of hear that from you as well. It's like, especially in this like coronavirus time as well. I think a lot of people... In I can only speak for myself, um, but I know a lot of friends who are kind of in the same situation where it, it now everyone's at a level playing field because there's no shows going on, releases are being released, but anyone can release music and it doesn't matter about your fame or how much money you earn. It matters about who you are as a person and yeah. who you have in your life because at the end of the day we all have friends in the industry but it's still an industry there's still so many people that i come would come across on a weekly basis on touring or whatever that i just don't talk to 
because it's part of the industry. And I think it's about who we have in our lives outside of the industry, which actually makes us the people who we are today and kind of keeps us grounded and keeps us kind of normal because this life isn't normal. Like the, the touring life no. is not a normal life. It, it I, As much as it looks amazing and it is fucking amazing. We're so lucky to have it, but it's very yeah. far from normal reality. Um, like one of my very good friends, um, who he's now sober, but he went through like a, pay, a, a stage of drinking a lot, and he was ex- he's an extremely successful DJ, and it got to the point where he was like, "I'm waking up on a Monday morning. All of my normal friends are going to work, and." He has nothing around him, no nobody around him. And what does he do? Start drinking. And it, it's that, that whole mental health thing. And I think now, although financial finances aren't actually good right now for a lot of people in this industry, but I think it's making that realization that it's not all about the fame. It's not all about the money. It's not all about the materialistic sides of what this industry can bring you. It's actually about being fucking healthy in your mental health and having good people around you. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, that's, I, I mean, a lot of my friends and I, you know, we say the DJ battle is no longer on the turntables. Yeah. The DJ battle is now staying alive, staying healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, look at, uh, you know, and, and not to disparage him, but you know, um, we lost, we lost a great friend just a couple of weeks ago, you know, and Eric Murillo, and again, not to disparage him, but, you know, you know, it takes a toll. It yeah. takes a toll on, on you mentally and physically and, and emotionally. You know, you've got you've got to stay centered and, and it's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm very I'm very content and I'm excited about the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And the flying field is leveled. It was funny. I think about April, about April, I posted in social media. And it took people a while to get it, but I was like, wow, I finally got the, you know, I finally got the same schedule as, you know, as, as Tiesto <laughs> and Carl Cox. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. 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 I, it's so true, man. It's so true. So, so in 87, 88, when you kind of just was like tapping out, let's, let's get out of this. Mm. What did you do? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Come back to me. Like what, what, what was what was a a day in Chippy's life like? What did you okay. did you make families? Did you what like what did what was the next ten years of your of your of your life? Oh, so after after I left, yeah, you said okay. So man, I did I did a lot of stuff trying to find myself. I, I uh, actually I worked as a police officer. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's stop. I, let's I, stop there. Stop there. Let's let's get let's let's get to police officer. All right. Because I care about people. No, I, but I yeah. That, but wh- I believe that everybody deserved to be safe. Yeah. And, and so that, that was what kind of brought me to you know. Um, I at thirteen, I, I I got I got mugged. You know, um, I was I was near this a bad area and I got mugged and uh, it, it made me feel very vulnerable and I, I I didn't want that to happen to me or anybody else. Yeah. And I, so I'd always, and I'd had friends and family who were police officers and it was just, it just, it was just something I gravitated to. I, like I said, I wanted to help the world. I mean, one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to do music was I wanted, it wasn't just for fame and money. I didn't, I didn't expect, you know, uh, as an 18 year old kid making music, I didn't expect I was going to make any money or any fame, yeah. but I wanted to help people's lives and make them happy. And like I said, being a police officer, I thought was going to, allow me to really help people yeah but i found out it really wasn't about helping people it was about policing and not to disparage police but like i say it wasn't what i thought it was and that's it but you've got questions yeah i was gonna say like what's like i know what what i i personally don't know but i know from friends that have told me back in the day of chicago new america generally but what was chicago like being a policeman in the late 80s early 90s um it was it was just a job you know it was just a job um chasing bad guys you know? 
right. I, I don't. I, yeah, that I don't. I don't want to go into. But I mean, yeah. So I, I yeah, I had to, I had to chase some bad guys, and you know, I survived. They survived. You know, I never shot anybody. Never killed anybody. <laughs> you know? um, that was the thing. Is I'm not even trying to get at that because I'm just trying to get at how much America has actually changed in in a in a quite a short period of time although there's still a long way to go but there's still a long way to go for everyone um but let's say for instance new york in the 80s compared to when giuliano got in and kind of cleaned it up like did chicago ever go through that that kind of similar thing that new york did or was it was it different it's it's different um New York really is a melting pot. Yeah. Even though in Chicago you can find you can find every ethnicity and you can find every um every language that's spoken and every dialect of every language that's spoken, you will find in Chicago. Yeah. But Chicago in opposition to New York and a lot of other places is really one of the most segregated cities yeah. in America. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's just this big divide and you know, or when you, if you look at it, if you just go, if you just look at the airport or you go to a school or something, I mean, uh, or you're downtown, you know, it might look like it's integrated, but it's still very segregated. Yeah, yeah. It's, we, we still got a long, long way to go. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why that is, but it, that's just the reality that we live in. Whereas, you know, New York, you know, you can't, there's, there's no, you know, this neighborhood or that neighborhood. It's just, it's New York. It's just a melting pot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why that is, but it's always been that way, and I don't see it changing anytime no. soon. I I like some of the change that we're 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 seeing. Oh, I liked it. I like we're not we're not seeing change yet. We're seeing things brought to light with the yeah. protest. Yeah, you really can't you can't protest and you can't debate people to change or people from hating you because of the way that uh, the environment affects the melanin of your skin. You yeah. can't. You can't just debate or protest and instantly change people's minds about that. And if you could, it would probably just change back overnight. Yeah. You know, kind of like, kind of like these diets, you know, lose <laughs> 10 pounds in, in a week. Well, yeah. guess what? If you lose 10 pounds in a week, you're going to gain it back the next week. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it, it takes a long time for true change to really occur. Totally. But I'm glad that we're bringing things to light and that, um, and, but you know what? There's some things that I'm not glad about the way some things are going way beyond common sense, like um, the fact that, uh, you know, with all this, uh, these claims of uh, cultural theft and whatnot, my good friend Joey Negro having to change his name. Come on, that's ridiculous. He, he, he meant nothing by that. Our friend, uh, the Black Madonna. I didn't know Joey. Ne- I didn't know Joey Negro changed his name. What did he change his name to? Yeah. I, I don't know what it is now, but it's not using Negro. Jeez. And Black Madonna now. I mean, that's just crazy. That doesn't make sense. I mean, these people, you know, they meant no harm. They're not trying to do any theft. That's just the name, the name they adopted. So there are some things like that, you know, that are going too far. So let me, let me, let me say this. Uh, I believe, I don't use, for what? I don't use, right after uh, Mr. George Floyd was was murdered. Yeah. I took a stance where I've divested myself totally of using colors to describe people. Yeah. Because like I said, the way, the way that the environment affects the melanin content, in your skin does not define you as a person. It doesn't define me. doesn't define you. doesn't define anybody else. It's just the way that the environment affects the melanin content of you. doesn't mean, it doesn't mean how creative you are, how smart you are. Um, It doesn't mean anything about you except that's the way the environment affects the melanin in your skin so i've completely divested myself of using colors to describe people yeah so you you won't hear me talking about you know people in terms of colors because i believe there's only one race the human race i mean there's we are completely the same people except for the way the environment affects the melanin content of our skin yeah so that's that's where I'm at, but uh, I I I do think that we need everybody to think that way. Totally. So it's it's not it's not it's not this race against that race because we're all the human race. It's good humans against 
humans who want to put people in the boxes and who want to prejudge people and who want to uh, determine a person's value based on how they look instead of the content of their character. I totally agree, to be fair. And I think I think it's I think it's really nice if you know what I mean. I I wish everyone could be the same. Um, I think from being in the UK, where race issues we have, uh, there's race issues all around the world, everywhere you go. Yeah. Whether yeah. in some countries it's you're racist against white people, some people are racist against black people, some people are racist against their religions, or whatever that is called. Um, it's everywhere. Um, and I wish it wasn't because all it is is tribalism at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and we, but we are tribal people. Like the house scene is a tribal community. If you know what I mean, keep yourselves yeah. to yourselves. Don't want to talk to the, don't want to get involved with EDM people. Don't want to get involved with whatever trans guys it is. But it's, I think. Yeah. EDM. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but realistically, like we're all just fucking jealous. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think you're right. It would be beautiful if people could literally view people on their actions and yeah. judge people on how they re- how they treat other people and treat themselves, not based on visual appearance. But how do we? How do you change that? Um, by bringing light to it, I think that's the first way. And then, and then by each of us challenging the other uh to be fair and to like i'm going to challenge you you know to eliminate thinking of, of people in terms of colors yeah so i'm going to challenge challenge you on that yeah. and then you're going to challenge somebody else I've, I've done this a lot of friends and that helps that helps grow these ideas and it brings light to yeah by calling this guy this and that does that you know does that really you know is that even though it can be used as a descriptor, does that add value or does it detract? Does it make me think thoughts about, you know, what is a part of his background, what's part of his taste and such, you know, what's part of his flavor, you know? So I think we just, we each need to get the word out that we're all humans, you know, Um, except for people listening to EDM. They're like (laughs) subhuman. You know, they're, you know, they're trying to evolve, you know, one <laughs> they day get, they'll, they'll get it. They get there one no. day. They get there one day. <laughs> but do, like yeah. on, in all, in all jokes aside, yeah. do you think c- coming from somebody that's created a scene um, and do you, do you, do you think that there is an issue with culturalness in, in dance, in house techno? Do you think there is a, an, an issue where black artists don't get the same privileges as a white artist or a gay artist doesn't get the privileges as a, as a straight artist or a female artist doesn't get the same privileges as a, a non-female, if you know what I mean? Do, do you think, do you see that? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, 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 I mean, even Stevie Wonder can see that. Yeah. Um, You'll get that later. So, <laughs> um, I've actually warmed up for Stevie Wonder. Claim to yeah. fame, yeah. On a on a Hillary Clinton, I I was sorry. This is a side story. I've got to tell everyone. Yeah. I was playing yeah. in I was playing in Philly, and uh, I randomly I was playing a show with Sage Armstrong years ago, and it was when Hillary Clinton was running for presidency. And there was like a Hillary Clinton kind of like party that I did. I didn't know they did this in America, but they go around rallying in different cities and then put a party on. And she'd booked Stevie Wonder to play her party. And the only venue that was free was at the venue that I was playing at. So technically, he played before me. So yeah, he warmed up for me. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Nice. <laughs> it was so funny on the like flyer outside they had like this like sign mm-hmm. and it was like will clark stevie wonder and i was like yes that's a that's something yeah. I, I can claim <laughs> that's that's got to be a good feeling man i mean of all the things you did that's that's got to be 
that's gonna be awesome it's pretty cool yeah yeah sorry yeah. carry on but back to yeah the, the, no that's all right so yeah there that's there there are people who are um favored you know and and it's not it's not fair for ethnicities or, or people who are of different genders or different sexual preferences and and that really bothers me because like i said house has always been inclusive but now that it's become such a big business it's like any other big business yeah where where unfortunately so it's not it's not something that's unique to the music industry it's something that is part of every industry which is once we start once we start getting all the corporate heads in and the decision makers start to make decisions based on sadly who looks like them you know and yeah. and they start to really um have prejudices prejudices against the people who are not like them people who are who are not the same uh you know melanin color of them people who are not of the same um you know political affiliation as them people who are not of the same gender as them yeah. people who are not of the same uh sexual preference as them and like i said it's really sad that that's what uh the growth has has come to because back in the day you know we we didn't care anything except can you bring the beats yeah, yeah you yeah. know that was the only thing that was important we didn't care how you looked who you sleep with you know um who you vote for anything we just cared about can you bring the funk can yeah. you can you jack the box you know <laughs> And that was it. Um, before before I forget, I got, you know, um, a couple of people that I got to give shouts out to. Um, because when I was when I was kind of making my comeback a few years ago, you know, besides, you know, besides Carl Cox and Joseph Capriati and my good friends, um, there were two locals in Chicago that really and you know them both, I think, um, that were really uh went above and beyond to help help uh help me get back in tune with things if you would because um you know yeah you know being away for a while you know it, it took me a bit to catch up but uh larry saladin yeah and and paul anthony of ghetto blaster those two guys um they really they really went above what they needed to you know do um as friends and um i'm really thankful for that you know they're the and best, man. The, yeah, they're the yeah. best. They're, they're they're great guys, and uh, with the uh, I don't know, obviously they can't at the moment, but with the Ghetto Blaster guys doing the party in Grand Rapids, uh, at Billy's yeah. on a Monday, it's like this the only party in America on a Monday night, and it's in this like yeah. crazy little bar. It's like don't get me wrong, the sound system's not great bar is not great at all but right. there's like a vibe of just like university kids and they all just fucking party is great and there's a great hot dog store next to it which is like some <laughs> famous hot dog store it's really great. right it's really good yeah that's it's funny that's something we always remember right as djs yeah. we always remember the food that was, that was nearby <laughs> you know you remember the vibe you remember the food yeah. I re like i remember uh back in in london uh where was it it, it, it was it was around minister sound around elephant and castle yeah. and there was some hamburger stand that popped up and it was like it was the best hamburger i've had in my life was it dirty burger and it might be yeah it might be if it is dirty burger which i think there's one in elephant and castle it's so good yeah yeah it's yeah. good so over the years when okay so we've gone from being a policeman um yeah what, what was after being a police officer um i got in it okay. i did a lot of uh soft software architecture and things and then after that i got into uh video production and editing and i did some dvd authoring and i got i got to work with some pretty cool people um that's it and then um and I still, I still have my my video production business. Uh, I I just I just got finished working on a, on a film with the Fairley Brothers. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so um, you know it's fun, but I, I I love being back in the music. Yeah. Um, God, I, I love I love touring again. Back, you know, a few months ago. Remember back? <laughs> yeah. Back when we did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, I'm sad that I'm going to miss one of my favorite festivals, this, the IAEFI Festival in Cuba, in Havana, Cuba. I've been doing that for a couple of years. I've never been to Cuba. <sighs> oh, well, never when the world been. comes back, when the world comes back, you got to come with me. Yeah, man, I'd you love to. to. You, you, will, you will love it. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to post in a couple of days. I'm going to post uh, one of the videos from uh, when it, it's an outdoor festival and it had rained and like a lot of the performers got it, went into this tent and just started freestyling. And you just, the energy was amazing. It's just the people, you know, uh, Cuba's an Island. They don't have access to a whole lot, you know? And so when people like us come over there, they really appreciate it. Yeah. But they're really, they're, they're funky people, man. They, they love, you know, they love the, the jazz and the blues and, you know, and they love the house and the techno and you're going to love it when you go there. Yeah. I, I really want to, I really want to go before it gets too like commercialized. I know it's got that's, commercialized already, but no, no, it's, it's just still pure. But like, that's what I tell everybody. It's like, you got to get to Cuba before Starbucks does. Yeah. You know? Cause then it's all, then it's all over. <laughs> then it's then game it's, over. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what's the, what's the plan with regards to coming back into music? Like, obviously, you got releases coming out and you're doing all of that. Is is it a plan to do it something full time? Is it planned to, like, go balls deep and just go for it and kind of get back to where you could could have taken it back from when you were 18? Or is it just like, I'm just going to do this for fun and I'm just going to write music and earn some money and just do the thing how you want it to do? Um, no, the plan, the plan is to make it, make it a full-time thing cool. because I've really, of all the things that I've ever done and all the things that I can do, there's nothing I like more than making or playing music. That's, that's, that gives me the most joy in life. And I'm at a point where, you know, I've, I've got all the stuff I want, you know, I've got houses, I've got cars and, you know, so I, it's not about the money. It's about, it's about making me happy. It's about, yeah. um, going out and, meeting new people and having new experiences and feeling that vibe and finding those burger joints, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's what that. it's about, about for me. You know, like I say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not rich, but I'm very content right now. And the thing that would make me happy is to be able to, yeah, to continue to, to spread the word of house and techno. I love that. And if I can ever be of a hand, just hit me up, man. I'm always here to help. Um, thank you brother it would be great it'd be, it'd be definitely great to do some shows together as well amen to that and yeah i already tell i mean you know the way the way we've been vibing yeah you know it's natural it's natural yeah no, i agree i agree so man i want to go back a little bit into some history um hmm. frankie knuckles who else did you inspire back in the day um, like who was who was in the crew because we all have a crew uh, yeah yeah so kevin irving uh also known as jack in house yeah so kevin went on kevin went on to um uh so i brought him in we did a tune called if you only knew okay and that that was my commercial breakthrough yeah and I mean, when it, I mean, it, it, it started being played, you know, in all the, you know, top 10 uh, radio stations and Kevin started blowing up as a vocalist. He, he ended up uh, leaving me and going with Club Nouveau. <laughs> and, you know, next thing I know, I turned on Soul Train and American Bandstand and there he is. I'm like, oh, OK. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, what's funny is he he went on to um, he he wrote and produced most of uh Bruno Mars first album. Oh really? Yeah, so I in a way I guess I'm kind of connected to Bruno Mars. <laughs> so yeah, I mean cuz yeah, Kevin kind of discovered him and like I said wrote produced for him. Uh another yeah. guy Liddell Townsell, Liddell Townsell, uh Nunu was one of his big records. Um that was just covered by who was that? Um oh, Pitbull and uh, I can't remember this other guy. Um, I'm trying to think of who who else was. What was it called? Uh, mm yeah, or I just M M M M M M H. Um, I'm searching it now. Okay, I I can't say I'm a I'm a pro at pitbull. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I'll search it too. <laughs> we can edit out this part now. Nah. Um, People are going to love us trying to search for Pitbull records. Give me everything. Okay. Timber, time, no. time of our lives, feel this moment, international love. See this. I'm going to put it. Mm, yeah. So Austin Mahone and Pitbull. Mm, yeah. So it's three M's and yeah. Okay. Austin Mahone, Pitbull. You got it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That. That's one. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so that was that was that was somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, that was kind of a um so my original partner in crime, Kurt Landrum, um he got he got murdered about I want to say in the mid mid to late nineties is still uh, they still never found out what happened. He used to, he, he lived on the North side of Chicago and uh, Kurt was always very friendly person. And he would host uh, little video game tournaments for the kids in the neighborhood. And one day he, uh, he had a knock on his back door. He went to the back door and someone just shot and killed him. Damn. Uh, really? Yeah. Really sad, man. Just, they're just, it's sad. There's, there's so many, evil people in the world still happens uh yeah uh joe smooth now what's funny is i i, I joe and i kind of fight about this but, uh, so joe is a little bit older joe smooth uh you know promised land he he was a customer of mine when i was working at imports when i was in college and uh i was working at the record store imports etc yeah he would come in and that's how we met but i knew he was uh he was already an accomplished dj he was one of the he was one of the bigger DJs, so, but I w- I brought him into the studio first, so you know when he was part of the uh, Jack Tracks EP, yeah, and like I said, because he because he was older and his voice was deeper, he's actually the voice that says "Time to Jack." Uh, okay, that's actually Joe. So Smooth. is that his claim to fame? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> Joe's got all types of claims to fame, but I say so. I say I say Joe, I brought you into this, but like I said, the. The reality is he he was already a DJ, but I brought just like I brought Frankie into producing, I brought yeah. Joe into producing and everything. Um and he's he's uh Joe and I are still great friends. Um and he's still doing great things, he's still doing amazing things. Um trying to think who else and I got a shout out to my guy Eric E.T. Taylor because when I did Jack Tracks, like I said, there there weren't a whole lot of people that believed in what we were doing, yeah, believed in what, what my vision was. Yeah. So they were really just those three guys, there was Joe Smooth, Kurt Landrum, and Eric E.T. Taylor. Yeah. And they joined me in the studio and they helped me produce this thing. Yeah. And, you know, Eric's still making music. Joe's still making music. Like I said, unfortunately, Kurt's no longer with us. But that was my main crew. Those those guys were my main crew. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to still have them in, you know, the, you know, two of the three still in my life. And especially you know to see what what joe is doing uh you know um he's just he's just made done some amazing things and you know there there are people that have uh his song the promised land tattooed on their body you got know, the lyrics mad, you know yeah. yeah i mean that's something um yeah it is i think i think, I think you should get a time to jack tattoo <laughs> i've got a candy statin tattoo which actually okay. frankie it's it's i've got the candy statin you've got the love Nice. So obviously, your love from Frankie was kind of the intro to the the Source remix. Yeah. Which one did which first? Uh Jimmy Principles. Your love was first. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Jamie's a good, good guy. By the way, Jamie's so, a lovely you know guy. What? I I yeah. I spoke I spoke to Jamie years ago uh, on my old radio show, um, mm. and. I got put in touch with him. So I I did a, I don't know how I got in touch with him, but I, I think I reached out to him and then introduced him. And then he, from that, I was working with uh, Simon from the Shapeshifters. Do you hmm. remember the Shapeshifters? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Simon was doing, I think at the time, and maybe still is, Simon's girlfriend was um, like PA manager for damon alban 
from okay and uh that was when they wanted Jamie Principal to do the Gorillas record mm. so I mm. got a call from Simon was like dude can you put put me in touch with Jamie because we want to we want to get uh get him on a on a Gorillas record um but he's since since the, since doing the Gorilla stuff he's kind of gone even even bigger now which is it's so yeah. nice to see is there is there anybody that kind of you've seen in this in in the Chicago scene that you're like I'm so proud that they just kept at it and kind of got to where they're at today because there's a lot of artists that kind of were big in early 90s and then kind of fell off and now they're fucking massive if you know what I mean yeah yeah um Frankie <laughs> yeah uh, yeah even though it's not with us, I mean, I'm I'm really proud that he, you know, he he got that acclaim because he really he he really was a beautiful person, and uh, his events uh, when he ran the club, the power plant, um, it was really a very special time. Yeah. So was, I'm glad that he was he was able to take take his message and our message around the world. Uh, little little something a lot of people don't know. Like you probably you probably got. Um, the slam remix that uh, Slam and I did on Like This, yeah, you know that. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember. Well, ah, okay. All right. So, but it, it. But here's the thing. So, Like This, the sample. That's actually a lot of people think it's me, but actually I had Frankie do that. Okay. So that's Frankie on my record. But uh, I gotta get you. I gotta get you a lot of stuff. But um, yeah. Speaking of Slam, I'm just thinking. Um, man, Sub Club. I know I, you played there. I've never played there. No. I ne- Dude, so this is the thing. I have a bigger following in America than I do in the UK. Okay. So I don't really like it's it's a in the greater plan to come back to England and tour more in Europe. Um before coronavirus kind of took yeah. over, but it's still in the plan. But yeah, I I because of my, because of how I started in the industry with Dirty Bird years ago, it mm-hmm. kind of built me a fan base in America that is much bigger than my fan base in the UK. Um, Copy that. So yeah, that's hence why I live in Detroit when I'm in America. Is like it's, I I need a place there full time because I tour more in America than I do back here in the UK. But okay. I really want to play sub club. What's oh it? yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, you know they've got they've got uh, I think it's a function one system they yeah. still have, and they've got uh, subwoofers under the dance floor, and it's just you know they've got a nice fridge next to the booth that's <laughs> stocked with good beer. Um, yeah, but those guys, yeah, um, it's that's that's one of my favorite clubs. That's one of my favorite clubs. Uh, yeah, man, we got to do some stuff once once the world reboots. Yeah, man. Well, you know, because as, as that's the thing, because you know we we gotta we gotta reboot it because this this version of twenty two twenty has a definitely definitely has a virus. <laughs> Dad Sorry. jokes. Dad jokes. Thank you. Us. Sorry, um, I, I'll stick to my day job stick, or my night job. Stick to DJing. Yeah. <laughs> no man, when I'm back in Detroit, um, let's I'll come down to Chicago or you come up to Detroit. Yeah, um, easy. We're, we're like four hours away. It's easy. Um, yeah, and let's actually like get in the studio and do some stuff i think that would be amazing yeah but i'm gonna send you some stuff you know please since do. we got this this whole thing of the internet i'll send you some stuff in advance please do man that's amazing um chicago is one of my favorite cities to play in Thank um, you for that. it is definitely one of my favorite cities and this the the paradigm guys are great um yeah are you happy with how chicago's gone from back in the day to now um, or what would no, you do different? No, I, I think I think I, I'd like to see. Uh, we got some nice clubs. We got some big clubs, especially like like say the Paradigm guys. Yeah. I mean John Curley, and the other guys, and uh, Mike Lang. Yeah. And you know, uh, I can't wait for you to play Radius. You know, yeah. that's their, their new. You know, five thousand person. Capacity. I was supposed to. I love that. I was. I was. Yeah. I. I literally. It was weird. We weren't. I probably shouldn't say this, but I was supposed to be playing with Camel Fat like pretty mm. soon after, and we was we were going to be doing Radius. Um, mm. But yeah, man, I'd love to play that. 
Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till you do. You definitely. But I, I, I just like to see um, more places like Radius. I mean, Radius is, like I said, Radius is amazing. It, it, it's it's going to be the first venue, I think, that really, truly caters to house and techno in Chicago and is a mega venue you know yeah it's not just the 300 person capacity yeah. you know we had we i mean we finally had a venue in place where we were gonna uh we were gonna be able to uh have an elro show in chicago yeah. you know because we didn't have any place that was big enough to to handle that so I, i'm excited you know um you know to uh to you know have michael jackson and uh you know the arrow guys here you know that was going to be really cool because because i think i think you're right actually I've, and i've never thought about that i've only just been really selfish when i mm. uh, thinking about how chicago is is that i love playing spy bar and it's like a, a great sweaty venue however mm. there's no room for growth because is it prism the other club yeah prism it's a, although it's a great club it's not a house club it's a it's a VIP kind of bottle service club. Right. And, and don't get me right. wrong. They have house nights. They have yeah. house nights and they, even the mid, it wasn't really a house club. It, it, it was still that kind of top 40 club that did house parties. Um, right. But considering of sh how prominent Chicago is in, in dance music and how the history has been there, there's no real, it's not like there's a Brooklyn Mirage in Chicago. Right. And there should be right. because yeah. Chicago has the following, like Chicago, people that live in Chicago, whatever Chicago is, whatever Chicago Aryans, whatever you call yourselves. <laughs> Chicagoans. <laughs> Chicagoans. <laughs> um, yeah. You like to party. It's, it's the Midwest. They have summers and they want to party during the summer and also the winters are so cold that everyone wants to get in a sweaty club and sweat to kind of yeah and to forget about the cold the cold winters and you yeah you haven't you're right you haven't got anything like that yeah but finally yeah finally we do have radius but yeah it would be nice to have a yeah brooklyn mirage i mean ooh, that venue is that venue. i mean yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you could have your party, I could have mine, you know, <laughs> and Tiesta could have his, and you know, Carl could have his, and you know, and it, it, it would still be okay. Yeah, that venue is something place. else. Yeah, I think that's where I first saw you. I think at, 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 uh, when I first met you, I think it was at a Dirty Bird party there. Yeah, two, yeah. like two two years ago, maybe July. Yeah. Were you playing yeah. that party? No, no, I, I just played uh, somewhere in Brooklyn. I can't remember where, uh, just before that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that venue. It's And the people that run it are so nice. Everyone's like, um, it's just like this professionally run machine, but it, it's not, it's not got the commercial corporate feel about it. It's just right. something right about it. It's New York. That's the thing. Yeah. It's just New York. It's just got that feeling. I, New York's my favorite city in America, personally. And okay. it's nice. it's just a New York vibe that I just something about it. I don't know. Don't know. Right, dude. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me, like, man. I, I've I've enjoyed this. We've, we've we've gotten to go into a lot of areas I didn't expect to, and I think people will appreciate that. It's not the normal, you know. You know, this is what I have coming out next, and this, you know, I think we got we got to talk about some real important topics. Yeah. And I, this, this is the reason yeah. why I do it because I don't like we would never have ever been able to have this conversation in a club, right? You and I, like we would have had to have spent a lot of time together and not even in the studio because realistically we're just going to be writing music. And I mm. love, I love having conversations with people and especially I really wanted to have a conversation with you. And um, I really hope people kind of, have learned a lot from this um and that's what i do this for is i bring people on that i find interesting bring people on that are my close friends that i love and also people like yourself that i i find really interesting and i want to get to know you more if you know what i mean um and i want people to know more about who you are and what if what you effect you've had on the world in our scene 
Um, Thank you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate you introducing me to your fans. And I hope that your fans will uh, Google me and check me out on uh, Discogs and find out some of the music and see see uh, see some of the old stuff I did and see some of the new stuff. But uh, and uh, reach out, you know, find me on social media. Let me know, um, you know, let me know what you like and let me know if you if any of my uh, old stuff resonates. You know, yeah. So how how and, do you, that's, how do people follow you on on your socials? What what are you, what's your handles well, on? Well, my main, my primary website is I am Chip E, just all one word, I am Chip E, and that has all my socials there. Um, but um, yeah, most of my socials is uh, I am Chip E. So just go on my website, find me, Google me, whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to get we get in the studio, brother, and uh, until we get to the club and uh, do a back to back or Let's something. Let's do it, man. That'll be wicked. Let's do That'll it, man. Wicked. Can't wait. All right, keep safe. Uh, let Thank me know you. if you need anything and I'll catch you soon alright big hug big love big love dude keep safe bye man peace wow what a show loved it absolutely loved it uh, thank you very much for everyone that's listened if you did enjoy it please go share it um, I'm actually going to be adding some of Chip's music so you got all you guys can hear it which is going to be adding to my Spotify playlist which is called Will Clark's Record Box. So if you aren't following that, go follow that, and I'll put a load of uh, music from Chip in there. Keep safe, look after yourselves, and I'll see you very soon. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.